Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We're overjoyed to introduce you to our new sermon series, At the Movies. All movies tell a story, and every great story borrows from God's story. Due to licensing restrictions, you will hear cuts during part of the sermon where the movie is played. This week, our feature film is The Pursuit of Happiness, which follows an entrepreneur named Chris Gardner as he struggles to find happiness, while also trying to provide a better life for him and his son. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for being with us. If this is your first time with us today, I want to welcome you. So glad that you're here. We are in a series called At The Movies. Any movie lovers in the house? Come on, that is me. I often say a a good date night for me is Netflix and popcorn. That is it. It's all I need. My wife can or cannot be there. That's optional. But just the movie, the popcorn, and I'm good. I got Jesus. Um, But no, uh, Jesus was famously known and is considered today by by agnostics, atheists, and even Christians alike, one of the greatest teachers that we've ever had in the history of the world. I mean, we are still teaching lessons that he's taught over 2,000 years ago. That's crazy when you think about how many books have been written and, uh, and how many great philosophers and thinkers the earth has seen. One of the things that made Jesus' teaching so great was that he was a phenomenal storyteller, just a great storyteller. And I love story because story is truth's opportunity to sneak into your life. Sometimes when you know somebody is giving you a lesson, you've got your guard up. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to receive it. Who are you to correct me? Who are you to lead me? You don't know my story. But when a story is presented to you, uh, you begin to identify with the characters. You begin to hear the moral, hear the lessons, and then, and then subconsciously begin to uh, apply those to your life. And so today we still tell stories. Stories are still a, a vital part of our community. However, they have changed in medium, right? There's no old sage on the corner of the gate to the ancient city sharing wisdom. No, today we've got the Steven Spielbergs and the, and the, and the Nolan, I forgot his name, Brian, he did Batman. Chris Nolan, yeah, he, was, he did do Batman, right? You don't know, I don't know, it's okay. He did, he did one of those Batman movies. Uh, and, uh, and, and we have these great directors and actors and actresses. And that's what At The Movies is about. It's an opportunity to hear a story just like Jesus told stories and to be able to take truth from those stories and apply them to our lives. And so I'm excited to share with you today's story, one of the saddest but also happiest movies that I can recall in a short time, starring Will Smith and his young son, Jaden, before he got all crazy, um, The Pursuit of Happiness. Why couldn't I look like that? Why couldn't I be Happy. I'm going to get right to the, to the, to the core, to the crux. Uh, we try to get creative with our sermon titles, but today we're going to keep it real simple. Here's the title of today's talk, How to Be Happy. How to be happy. And, uh, and I say that knowing that there are probably two types of people in the audience today, those who are presently happy and those who are maybe not so happy. Those who are not happy, it could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe you are struggling financially. Maybe you do not enjoy your job. Maybe some of your relationships are in disrepair. Or perhaps the scariest thing of all, you don't know why you're not happy. But you're not happy. Those who are presently happy, please allow me to emphasize the word presently. Because if there's one thing we know about this form of happiness that many of us subscribe to is that it is a fragile thing, amen? We are all just one bad phone call away from not being as happy as we were before the phone call. But I want to present to you today a different form of happiness that you can have, a form of happiness that is unlike the world's happiness, a form of happiness that I I believe 
will, will last, a form of happiness, I believe, that will keep you strong, a form of happiness that is impervious to the past due notice in your mailbox. Come on, somebody who got that notice. It wasn't just me. Amen. Uh, 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 a kind of happiness that is invincible uh, regardless of your trip to the doctor, when your doctor tells you that you are not invincible because you got some negative results of a test, uh, this kind of happiness is invincible. It is a fireproof happiness. And I say fireproof when I reference the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were thrown into the fire because they refused to not worship God, or they refused to, yeah, they refused to, to worship uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. And in the fire, they're not crying, they're not screaming, they're not complaining, they're singing, dancing, and praising God. I'm talking about a fireproof happiness. I, I'm talking about a waterproof happiness. Yeah, a waterproof happiness. And when I say that, I'm referencing the time that Jesus was in the boat and he had a pillow and he was asleep and all the disciples were grabbing buckets of water out of the boat because there was a storm and the boat was about to capsize and everybody was crying and Jesus was chilling, sleeping, dreaming of I don't know what, a kind of happiness that is not even affected by the storms of life. I'm talking about a bulletproof happiness. Now, they didn't have bullets back in the Bible days, but they did have arrows. They did have sticks. They did have rods. They did have whips. And I'm referencing the time where the 12 apostles got beaten up because they refused to deny Jesus. They got beaten up because they wouldn't stop preaching about Jesus. And when they leave the beatdown, they leave leaping and limping. Limping and leaping. The Bible says they were singing and rejoicing, rejoicing with bloody nose and black eyes, talking about, hey, man, we look like Jesus. I mean, that's how he got a black eye. My black eye looks like Jesus. And they started arguing, you know, my black eye is better than your black eye. It's not a competition. I'm talking about that kind of happiness, the kind of happiness that cannot be taken away. Why? Because there is nothing better than to be happy. Nothing better than to be happy. In fact, I want to play a little game called Who Said It? Uh, there's nothing better than to be happy. Who said it? All right? And you guys are going to guess. A, Gandhi. B, Miley Cyrus. C, the Bible, or D, a bumper sticker. If you believe Gandhi said this, raise your hand. Gandhi said it. Gandhi said it. Okay, nobody. You believe Miley Cyrus said it. Miley Cyrus said it. Miley Cyrus said it. You guys are just going to go for Bible because we're in church, ain't you? This is a trap. Okay, okay. If you believe the Bible said it. Okay, I think we know where we're going with this. If you believe this is on a bumper sticker, raise your hand. Okay, some people, you didn't vote at all. You're just going to be mean, aren't you? All service. It's not going to engage. It's not going to pretend like you're not even here. Bumper sticker, raise your hand. Okay, so I think bumper sticker is the, is the resounding uh, one. Let's see. Who said it? The Bible. Ecclesiastes 3.12 says, so I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy. But isn't it interesting that four people picked the Bible? <laughs> And I wonder why that is. And a part of me, and this is where I want to start, and this is where I want to begin, because in order to understand how to be happy, you have to first understand that God wants us to be happy. Like, he genuinely is concerned and prioritizes our happiness. Write this down if you're you're taking notes. Jesus and joy are not opposites. In fact, they are inseparably intertwined. You can't have one without the other. You, you just can't. And I know why we think that, because when we think of God, we think of judgment. We think of punishment. When we think of God, we think of, of rules. But can I tell you that this is not a book of rules. This is a love letter. 
This is what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 11. I have told you these things. What things? This Bible. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with what? My joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Some people look at the Bible and say, man, I can't do what's in the Bible because if I did what's in the Bible, I'd be miserable. No, this book is not here to make you miserable. This book is here to teach you how to live a healthy, whole, joyful life, a joy that overflows in your life, that doesn't just fill your life, but actually overflows it. It's hard to believe. I get it. It's hard to believe because when we look at Jesus on the cross, it is such a gruesome, it is such a painful, it is such a sad event that we identify with that. And we say, you know what? Uh, I, I get it. Jesus bled a lot and Jesus, Jesus cried a lot. And so maybe that's the life that, 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 that is for me. My life is supposed to be a life of suffering like his. But we also forget he didn't stay buried. Three days later, he came back to the life, and there was a celebration. Listen, life will have pain, and this is the lesson Jesus is trying to tell us, but life also has some promises, and so what will you focus on, the promises or the pain? If you focus on the promise, if you focus on the pain, then that will be your life, painful, because that's all that you focus on. But if you focus on the promise and the joy of the resurrection and the joy that God wants to give you, then you can endure any trial because you got a joy that gets you through it. Here's what Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Look to Jesus. Paul wrote this. Look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know why Jesus wants you to have joy? Because he knows that life can be hard. And when life is hard, sometimes you need some joy to get you through it. What got him through the cross was the joy of having a relationship with you. And listen to me, you can't endure what you don't enjoy. You can't. If you're not having fun, you won't last. That's why we do at the movies. That's why we serve popcorn. Not for you, for me. Sometimes being a pastor is, is hard. You know, you get phone calls at 3 in the morning, marriages that are falling apart. You got people who are sick. And I'm like, man, sometimes, I mean, I love this job, but sometimes I got to endure this job because it's, you carry that. And so I figured, hey, if I'm going to endure it, I might as well enjoy it. We're going to watch movies in church and give popcorn, and we're going to have people dress up. We're going to take pictures with them, and it's going to be fun because you last longer when you're having fun. Let me give you a a quick tip. If you want to get married, stay married for 20 plus years, learn to have fun with your spouse. You have fun with somebody, you stay with them forever. Hey, you want to be a Christian and stay a Christian for a long time? Learn to have fun with this thing called church. Have fun with this thing called Christianity. It should not be a burden. It should be a joy. It should be something that you get excited about in the morning, putting on your makeup, putting on your deodorant. I can't wait to get to church. That's what it should be like. You should have joy. That's a part of the reason why I think we don't think God wants us to be happy today. Another part of the reason I think we don't think God wants us to be happy today is because we believe in that God wants us to be happy, but we believe that God wants us to be happy later. When I die and the saints come marching in and the angels come and I get my wings, that's when he wants me to be happy. I call it a heavenly happiness. We, we, earth, is my, earth is my cross, but heaven is my reward. I get that. I, I, I heard that too. And amen, I'm right there with you. I don't live on this earth for, 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 for crowns on this earth. I live on this earth for crowns in the next life. I don't live on this life for mansions in, in this world. I live in, in this life for, for mansions in the, in the next life. I get it. Amen. But if only thing God wanted you, if God wanted you to suffer here and enjoy heaven, why did Paul write in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4? Rejoice in the Lord. What? I could have sworn that baby just read, read the screen right there. Always. Rejoice in the Lord, say it with me, always. I will say it again, 
rejoice, not rejoice when things are going bad, rejoice when things are going good, rejoice always, not yesterday, not when you get to heaven, rejoice today. God wants you to have joy today. Listen to me, your happiness is not tomorrow's halo, it is today's inheritance. It is something that God wants you to have today. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he didn't just die to put salvation in your soul. He died to put a smile on your face. He died so that you can have joy. He died so that you can wake up in the morning and embrace and receive the happiness that he has for you. Jesus and joy work hand in hand. I want to throw Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 12 back on the screen if we can. And I want to read it one more time. We're talking about how how to be happy. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12 goes like this. So I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy. I want everybody to say the word in yellow with me when I read it because I, I, I think it's significant. I'm highlighting it for a reason. So I concluded that there is nothing better than to be happy. Now, I highlighted the word be in order to highlight the word that's not there. He said be happy. What he didn't say was Get happy. Because happy is not something you can get. Happy is only something you can be. Because contrary to popular belief, happiness, listen to me, is who you are, not what you have. Did you catch that? Happiness is who you are, not what you have. And when happiness is who you choose to be, then no matter what changes around you, what gets taken from you, what you lose, as long as you don't change, you'll always be happy. You'll always be happy. Listen, you should not have to fight for happiness. I don't know if you know this. You should not have to fight for happiness. Happiness is not a goal to be achieved. It is not on your bucket list. It should not be on your bucket list. Buy a house, get married, have kids, get a dog, paint the fence, fix the refrigerator, be happy. Get happy. No. It's not something. Happiness should be the default condition of a soul in the relationship with Jesus. That's it. And you don't even have to look at the Bible for that. Just look at a kid, a child, a baby before sin and shame gets a hold of their life. Every baby I've ever met, as long as their diaper is not dirty or they are not hungry or tired, they are happy. They wake up in the morning. You're like, my gosh, you're so happy right now. Before sin and shame got in the hang in their life. I just went on a trip with Justice, my first ministry trip with him ever. Um, I was traveling to speak. went to Oklahoma for four days. It was his first time on an airplane. And, uh, and he is in that airplane having the time of his life. He thinks it's a roller coaster. You know, you can't really feel the plane going fast when you're in the plane. But he is in there. The plane is taking off. And he is all hands up. Just like that, like just that loud. He looks over me, he's like, Daddy, are you ready? Hands up, hands up, Dad. I'm just like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I'm like, woo. <laughs> I, just, I don't want this, this is awkward. Uh, but he's happy. Everything that we did, he got in the rental car, he's like, ooh, a new car, yay. We get off, we go at this hotel. He's like, ooh, a hotel, yay. He's like, is that my bed? My bed, yay. Is that TV work? Yay. Mickey Mouse, yay. Church, yay! 
Everything was happy. It was like I had to work to get him mad. I had to work to get him upset. I had to work to get him depressed. Happiness is a default, this is the default condition of your soul. And if that's true, though, because here's the question we got to ask. If happiness is who I should be, just naturally be, and not what I need to achieve, then why is it that so many people are not happy? And here's my theory on that, and I believe the Bible backs it up. The reason why I believe we are not happy, even though we should be happy, is because we're trying to get something God wants to give. And there are some things you cannot attain, some things you cannot have by chasing. There's only some things you got to let come to you. And in fact, there are some things in life, the more you chase it, the more you lose it. For example, my wife. I know how you think when you see her or you see me. It's okay. I don't hold it against you. I think the same thing. How in the world did that guy get that girl? I know you're thinking that. I don't want to tell you. I have no idea. I think it has something to do with God. I think it has something to do with Jesus. I think it has something to do with prayer and reading the Bible. So my advice to single people everywhere is, if you're ugly, you better have a prayer life. I'm just kidding. We're all beautiful in God's sight. Amen? In God's sight. Amen. Um, I was saying, so the way I got her was this. I remember one time she was over my house, and they were like 15 dudes. I'm exaggerating not. 15 dudes around her. I'm like, oh, Liz, how you doing? Are you doing good? Oh, I like your hair. Oh, I like your makeup. Oh, that's cool. You need anything to drink? That's my house. You know what I did, though? Played it cool. Some people call it hard to get. So as the 15 guys are weird, I was off in the corner. I'm going to chase her. She's going to chase me. She's going to sit there wondering, how come all these 15 guys want to talk to me, but that guy doesn't? want to talk to me. I just decided I was just going to be me. I wasn't going to chase her. And, when, and, and at the end of that, 15 guys hanging out, uh, we're about to go out and it's raining. And I'm just being me. I'm just being me. Wasn't a pickup line. I was just being me. I said, hey, it's raining. Would you like a rain jacket? She said, yes. <laughs> Stranger in the corner who's been ignoring me. I said, no problem. I got her the rain jacket. That was it. She was in love with me. That's how it worked. And that day forward. I played hard to get. The thing was, though, if I had been like all those other 15 guys, I'd have just been a face in the crowd. I don't know that we are supposed to chase everything that we want in life. Some of the things, if we chase, we lose it. And let me tell you something about happiness. Happiness is good. God gives it to us. It's an inheritance. But we can't make an idol out of something God wanted to be an inheritance. If he wants to give it to us, and when we try and take it, we lose it in the process. It's like the prodigal son, the lost son. He has this awesome inheritance that the father wants to give him. But instead of waiting for it to come to him, he takes it and he loses the inheritance and he loses his relationship with his father all in the same shot. If he had just waited, it would have come, it would have came to him. I love how David said it in Psalms when he had the chance to kill Saul and take the throne and, and be in charge. Look what, Saul, look what David said in Psalms chapter 23, verse 6. He says, surely... Your goodness and unfailing love will what? Pursue who? Pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let me ask you a question. Are you chasing happiness, or is happiness chasing you? Will Smith said, maybe we can't chase it. Maybe we can't get it. Maybe we can't achieve it. Maybe this thing, and how did Thomas Jefferson know? It's true. You can't chase happiness. The more you chase it, the more it eludes you. But if you wait, if you live your life, if you stay obedient and you run your race, it will chase you. Listen, you don't go to work to be happy. Somebody say hey, amen. I mean, you might love your job. I love mine, but I know for a fact, you don't go to work to be happy. You go to work and happiness follows you. 
And then you show up doing your office stuff. Everybody's upset because they don't like their job, and you're over there. Pass that folder. Why are you so happy? I'm sorry. Happiness follows me wherever I go. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You just continue to live. You just continue to follow. You just continue to do what God's put in front of you. You don't chase happiness. You let happiness chase you. That's the problem. Here's the problem. If you chase happiness, you never know what happiness will lead you. I can't tell you how many people have gotten divorced, and the answer has been, he don't make me happy no more. Chasing happiness. I can't tell you how many people got married. They shouldn't have gotten married just because they weren't happy being single anymore. But let me tell you, singleness is not less than marriedness. You can be single and you can be happy. And if you need another person to make you happy, you will never be happy. Don't you go chasing a man trying to chase happiness along with that man or a girl trying to chase happiness along with that girl or another girl or another, another marriage thinking that the next one is going to solve that thing inside of your soul. No, happiness is not what you have. Happiness is who you are. It's a decision that you make. You don't chase it. It chases you. Listen to me. He leads me beside still waters. That's what that verse said in the beginning Psalms. Who are you following? The Lord is my shepherd. Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to follow him while happiness follows us. Pursue God. And happiness will pursue you. The disturbers of our harmony. Have you ever been there before? Uh, some, some context. Uh, he is about to meet with the CEO. He's meeting with the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He's sitting in a press box at a 49ers game. His kid is having the time of his life, enjoying it with the 49ers hat, hanging out with millionaires, and he can't enjoy it. He can't enjoy it because of what's going on in his life. Have you ever been there before? Have you been affected by the disturbers of harmony? I know I have, even this past week. I, saw an, I was preaching to 900 teenagers, middle schools and high schoolers. Hundreds of kids made decisions to follow Christ. There were tens of kids who were suffering from some type of illness that got healed. Uh, we were staying at an awesome hotel. I got my boy on the first trip ever. He's telling me after the preaching, I almost cried. He was like, Daddy, I want to be like you when you grow up, and I want to tell people about Jesus. So I'm like, stop it right now. <laughs> you know, I'm just getting all emotional because I love being with them. But, but, but honestly, when I go to bed at night sometimes, and even this week, I had, I had an evening where if I'm honest, if I'm, if I'm being honest, I can be transparent with you, I struggled enjoying it all. I struggled enjoying it because there were some disturbers of harmony in my life. And I love that term, and I love what he used it because I know I should have been happy. Anybody ever feel guilty about not being happy when everything in life is going fine? And you're like, man, why aren't I happy right now? I should be happy. I got a beautiful wife. I got great friends. I got a cool car. I, I know I got a good job. I'm at a church. I should be happy. Why, why not? I know I've been there. I felt that, I felt that guiltiness. And I, and I love what he, what he refers to the Declaration of Independence because he's talking about Thomas Jefferson writing to the British. And Thomas Jefferson is saying, because I looked up the context, he's talking to the British. He's saying, God gave us freedom, and you can't take it away. You're trying to take away something that God gave us. And Christians, I think we can be like that. I'm talking to the Christians for a second. God gave us this freedom, and we have the right, and we should live it and embrace it. But there's something or someone out there trying to mess it up inside of us. Those are the disturbers of harmony. And I want to go over three of them really quickly, and hopefully you can identify. The first disturber of harmony is people. People are annoying. People can be critical. People can be analytical. People can be rude. People can argue with you. People can fight with you. People can make fun of you. People can abandon you. People can hurt you. People can cause pain. People can disturb your harmony. But whenever people try to disturb your harmony, remember Romans chapter 12, verse 18 and 19. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Let me pause right there. There are some people you will never be able to get along with, and it's not your fault. 
He said, live at peace as far as it is under your control, as far as you are able to do what you can, and then let me handle the rest. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. I love the message version of Romans 12, 19. He says, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. You let God take care of the people who are trying to steal your peace. The second disturber of harmony is responsibility. Now, I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I carry a big responsibility I got families that are trying to stay together. I've got kids who don't have dads, and everybody's looking to me to fix that issue. And I have understood quickly in this role that I am trying to take something that is not mine. Now, now it might be different in your context. You might be a stay-at-home mom. You got a responsibility of raising kids. You might be an entrepreneur. You got a responsibility for building a business. Whatever your responsibility is, listen to me. It is not your job to carry the responsibility of that outcome. It is God's job to carry the responsibility of the outcome. Hear me out. God is the one who is responsible. You are the one who should be faithful. It's God's job to be responsible, and it's our job to be faithful. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In other words, he's going to work it out. He's going to work it out. You just be faithful with what he puts in front of you. And the last one is fear. Disturber of harmony is fear. We're trying to enjoy our life. We feel like we have an okay life in front of us, but we get afraid. We get scared. And I'll turn to Chris Jr. for the wisdom in that because he has a cool, funny line with his dad. He talks about the difference between possible and probable. And his dad says, do you know what possible, do you know what probable, uh, what, what it possible means? He goes, yeah, it means probably. And he goes, no, probably means we have a good chance. He goes, do you know what possible means? And he's like, uh, I know what possible means. What? It means we're not going to the game. And, and I think that that's fear. Fear faces every situation that should be possible with a negative outlook. The worst thing that's going to happen is going to happen because it's possible. And in my life, whenever it's 50-50, it's always the wrong 50. That's what my history has told me. But let me tell you that Chris Jr. and Chris Sr., Will Smith, have a different definition of possible than Jesus has. Here's Jesus' definition of possible. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Jesus has a different definition of possible. When we see possible, we say not likely. But when Jesus sees possible, he thinks probable. Not just probable, but certain. Let me tell you, your joy is coming back. And that's not a possibility. That's not a probability. That's a certainty. When Jesus died on the cross, he guaranteed your victory. He guaranteed your win. He guaranteed the happiness in your life that you ought to receive, that God wants to put inside of you. It might be possible, but with God on your side... It's definitely most probable. Five things you can do to be happy. I want to recap everything that I shared with you today. And if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Remind yourself of this when you're facing difficult times, when you're starting to feel down, when you're starting to feel discouraged. We talked about them all. First, you have to hold on to the belief that God wants you to be happy. You got to believe that. You got to believe deep down inside that God wants you to succeed. God wants you to excel, that God wants to put a smile on your face, that salvation and a smile is a part of the same package. It's what he wants to give you because when you believe that, you start living life like you deserve that. When you believe that God gave it to you, you start living your life like you deserve the thing that God's giving you. And so you got to live like that. You got to live like that. You got to believe it. Hold on to the belief that God wants you to be happy. Number two, always trust God to work things out. Always trust God to work things out. He is going to bring it to pass. He is going to make it happen. You might face a problem. You might face a difficult situation. You 
cannot freak out. You cannot get nervous. God has got it under control. He is not surprised by your circumstances. He has the solution, and he will work it out. Number three, and I really hope you remember this one big time, pursue the right things. Remember, don't chase happiness. Let happiness chase you. If you're looking to making a decision based on how you feel, reject that. You decide how you feel. Create your own happiness. Create your own happiness. Be happy. Let happiness be who you are, not what you have, because what you have can be lost or taken. Or who you are, no matter what changes around you, as long as you don't change, your happiness doesn't change. Number four, people don't control my attitude. Do not let people control your attitude. Don't let your happiness be connected to who's treating you good or who's treating you poorly or, who's, or, who, or who is criticizing you or who loves you. Because if, 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 you, if you give people the power to, and here's how you know, and, and here's how you know, if when someone tells you something, you don't really know them and it makes you feel really good, you got to be careful because also if someone tells you something you don't really know and they criticize you and it makes you feel bad, you're giving them access. So you got to be careful who you give access to your heart. Don't let strangers have control or power over your emotions. Don't let it happen. People who love you, people who are close to you, I get it. But, but not, not, not strangers, not people who haven't invested in your life. And here's the last one. And before I give it to you, I want to read once again John chapter 15, verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with whose joy? My joy. This is Jesus. My joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You know, as I was looking at that last scene in the movie, you didn't see it because I cut it off, but in the next scene, that little boy is smiling like he's never smiled throughout the whole movie. And he's been pretty good. He had to sleep in some subway stations. He had to stay in some homeless shelters. Um, he had to eat diner food for dinner, skip breakfast. But you see at the end of the movie a happiness, and it hit me. He doesn't really know what's going on. All he knows is that his father is happy. And it's his father's happiness that becomes his happiness. Your joy will be my joy. Jesus says, my joy will be your joy. Here's the last point. Your joy, God, is my joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I'll be honest with you, I'm, a, I'm an overachiever. Sometimes I don't achieve over what I thought I would. Sometimes I get sad and sometimes I get depressed. I'll never forget a couple years ago, maybe, yeah, long time, seven, eight, maybe 10 years ago, I was at a youth camp and uh, service was going on and there was a great kind of move of God and the worship was kicking and, uh, and it was good, but I wasn't feeling it. I felt like a failure. I felt like I messed up. I had, felt like I'd made a bunch of mistakes recently. And this guy I didn't know came up to me. I knew him from, like, I'd seen him at events, but I didn't really know him, know him. He puts his arm around me, and he says, God told me to tell you. Now, I always get on guard when people tell me that, you know, because I, I believe that God can speak through other people, but I also believe God can speak to me himself. And so I was kind of on guard, and he got down, and he said, God told me to tell you. And his words I've never forgotten. They reverberate in my soul today, and I pray that they would hit you like they hit me. Holy Spirit, help me. Help it hit them like it hit me, Holy Spirit. Here's what he told me. He said, I just want you to know, God says... He's happy with you. You don't got to do a thing. He sees how you're working. He sees how you're slaving. 
He sees how you're loving people. He sees how you're faithfully coming to church. He sees how you're loving your wife. He sees how you're preaching. He sees how you're just being you. I want you to know he's happy with you. And in that moment, my joy was restored to know that God saw me and he was happy with me and where my life is. Can I tell you something the devil doesn't want you to know? Chances are, if you're in church today, hear me. God is not angry at you or upset at you or waiting to punish you or judge you. Hear me when I tell you this. God is looking down on you today with a smile, happy, not because of what you have, but because of who you are. Because of who you are. And when you start to understand that God loves you and that he is happy with your life, your joy begins to rise up. Your joy. My son Zane had toe surgery. It's a big deal. Okay? I mean, not a big deal, but it's a big deal for him because he, he's, he's a tough kid, but he's crying, and he doesn't cry at all. He's got stitches in his toe. It's all nasty, but we love him. And you had to see, my wife and I, our strategy, you know, when the, when the stitches, when he got the stitches and we see him in the, in the bathtub about to clean his foot, we're like, you got stitches. That's so cool. That's so awesome. Look at you. Wow. Look at that. And he's like, yeah, all right. Something about the connection, something about the connection between a father and a son, their joy has the power to shift your joy. So I want you to know these five things. Oh, and in case you need help remembering it, they spell happy. Hold on to the belief that God wants you to be happy. Always trust God to work things out. Pursue the right things. Not happiness, God. People don't control my attitude. Your joy, God, is my joy. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this installment of At The Movies. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again. Have a blessed week.